0: Welcome to Beyond Infinity, Piers Cunningham with you and ringing in 2021, first podcast for the year. And I thought I'd take a look at a pretty interesting report that was produced by Australia's Lowy Institute, an Australian think tank uh, that... Uh, I think it's fair to say has uh, quite broad ambitions in terms of you know trying to be a think tank with a global outlook uh, and one which uh, has international relevance uh, attracts distinguished speakers on uh, matters such as foreign policy, defence, politics, uh, development, journalism, science, the arts, and sport. Now, they have produced an interactive. You can download it. Uh, The web address is interactives.loeyinstitute.org. This is an attempt to rank countries by their performance in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So... Uh, just to run through uh, some of the latest figures, you know, these are changing, obviously, on a daily basis. Around the world, there are now well over 100 million confirmed cases of COVID-19. There have been in excess of 2.26 million deaths. New cases, sadly, um, well over 450,000, uh, nearly, you know, getting up towards half a million Uh, new cases just in the last 24 hours. And I'm speaking on Friday, the 5th of February. Uh, And, you know, one of the striking things about the coronavirus pandemic is that, you know, the countries that you perhaps expected to do not so well are countries that have done well. And conversely, leading economies, I mean, the prime example would have to be the United States of America, um, have not done so well at all. Uh, Latest figures for America, really sad, over 26 million confirmed cases. So that's approximately a quarter of the global total are in the United States. 450,000 deaths, which is a very, very high number. Um, And again, that's a little bit less than a quarter of all the deaths that have occurred around the world. Say around a fifth uh, in round figures to date. So why is it that, that a first world country didn't do so well and, 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 uh, or other, you know, as a group, some first world world countries have done better than others. Uh, bigger countries seem to have done not so well as small countries. This is the kind of thing that the Lowy Institute is trying to address with this Uh, COVID Performance Index, Deconstructing Pandemic Responses. I've I've mentioned the web address. You can check this out yourself. It's uh, kind of user-friendly, fairly simple navigation, and it does allow you to do something which is quite cool, and that is to compare the performance of different countries. So there is a, a function which allows you to Uh, plug in the names of countries that you're interested in and compare them directly with each other. So, you know, I was just playing around with this before and I've got Sweden, the United States, Australia and New Zealand uh, as four countries that you can compare and then they're charted for you from the beginning of the pandemic to right now. There's also a very useful comparison of how the developing world has compared against advanced economies. There's also Uh, a comparison of the size of countries based on their population and and how they've responded to the pandemic. And then also there's a measurement which compares whether countries are authoritarian, uh, a kind of hybrid um, of authoritarian and and democratic or sort of purely democratic or more purely democratic, it would be fair to say. So it compares those as well and gives you some interesting insights. You know, what are the benefits in dealing with pandemic if you're an authoritarian country? Uh, what are the benefits of, um, of being a democracy? And, uh, and what are the benefits of being a hybrid? Now, a little bit of background to this. You know, I, I covered um, the pandemic for uh, radio on the Mornington Peninsula, for Radio Port Phillip. Um, I w- did some uh, regular coronavirus reporting and I also interviewed um, some of the medicos uh, in Victoria during that hard lockdown Victorians endured from sort of approximately the middle of, uh, of 2020 through till about October. It was in excess of a hundred days, off the top of my head, it might've been 107 days of hard lockdown particularly towards the end of that there were some uh, you know really strong voices of dissent uh, both from the business community but also the medical community saying that you know lockdown was you know that the the the, the uh, sort of harsh lockdown that was actually worse than the effect of the virus itself in terms of the effect on people's mental health, in terms of other important diseases which were being sort of deprioritized because everything was focused on on uh, dealing with uh, COVID-19. so things like cardiac issues and, and uh, coronary disease, uh, heart issues, in broad terms, um, uh, mental health, um, even um, even skin cancer and, um, and and screening for cancers um, were, were neglected and and um, that was having an impact on on uh, people who really needed those things looked at and maintained during that pretty heated debate where the Victorian state government uh, under, under Daniel Andrews the premier of Victoria that's a southeastern state of Australia second most populous state capital city of Melbourne, uh, and it should be mentioned also that Melbourne, um, Greater Melbourne, was the area that was under, was subject to that um, 100 days of plus of of stage four hard lockdown. Uh, the rest of the state was a little bit more relaxed, and uh, and other states around Australia were far more relaxed. Uh, they seem to have dealt better with the pandemic. We had a breakout. Uh, In a um, hotel quarantine situation, and that sort of seeded a um, a second wave, which at its at its peak, you know, something like seven or seven hundred odd cases cropping up of community transmission a day. During that time, uh, you know, we we looked at some of the examples that was cited around the world. Uh, for example, Ivor Cummins is a, um, uh, a scientist in Ireland, and he came out very strongly saying, you know, this is a medieval approach to a disease. We should be being far smarter about this. We should be using technology. And he was even querying the origins of the virus and saying it had been around for longer, that the response was um, disproportionate and, um, and not correct to, to just sort of flat out isolate and not take advantage of technology. Sweden also was a country that, you know, in the early days of the pandemic was held up as a great example of a country that had um, had done well and hadn't shut its economy. It's, it had kept people working. Uh, it had kept businesses and restaurants and the like open. I read this Lowy uh, Interactive, and I guess what I was tempted to think is that really it is understandable that they were sick and tired of... of of lockdown. They were questioning the severity of it, the duration of it. It's understandable that people were very frustrated and and, um, and pointing to these other examples and pointing to people like Ivor Cummins and pointing to the example of Sw- of Sweden, which seemed to be doing so well. Now, look at um, you know look at where these countries are. Well, well Sweden, after doing well in the um, sort of early stages of the disease, it now doesn't rank very highly in terms of this ranking of countries. And actually, New Zealand is is ranked the highest by the Lowy Institute. Methodology for these rankings looks at um, various measures. It looks at the 36 weeks that followed the 100th confirmed case uh, that appeared of COVID-19 uh, and uses data available to the 9th of January 2021. Uh, and data was extracted from Our World in Data, maintained by researchers at Oxford and, um, and the not-for-profit Global Change Data Lab. Also, um, the Economist Intelligent Unit um, and uh, the IMF provided um, definitions and parameters that were used by the Lowy Institute in preparing this interactive. New Zealand came number one, v- uh, Vietnam number two, Taiwan number three, Thailand fourth, Cyprus 5, Rwanda in Africa with a score of 80.8 out of 100 came in in 6th position. Australia 8th position would have been higher if we hadn't had that second outbreak that required that harsh lockdown in Victoria I mentioned before. Now, just to find Sweden on this list, it's 37th with countries like Senegal, the Ivory Coast Slovenia Greece Jamaica Zambia Malawi a lot of African countries well in front of it Sweden has a rank out of 155.5 so I of it's kind of a pass but it's it's not a very strong pass if you like um, and then down the bottom of the um, uh, of this list and you know this to me is kind of staggering because America is the sort of technological powerhouse of the world uh, and and, a, and, a, and the richest country on earth. Uh, it came in at 94th, it had a ranking out of of seventeen point three, which is a pretty poor fail. Yeah, out of that uh, uh, total of 98 countries, America was uh, rather dismally located in uh, fourth last position you know, the countries that were worse in this ranking than the United States, Iran, Colombia, Mexico, and finally Brazil with a ranking of 4.3 out of 100. Some interesting things. It, It seems, according to the Lowy Institute, that lockdowns, although crude, they are effective. They have been proven to be effective to prevent COVID getting beyond control and stopping hospitals becoming overwhelmed. Low technology lockdowns, Leveled the playing field between first and third world countries, so that's why you have countries that are much poorer, uh, with far fewer uh, medical resources and um, you know advanced hospitals and uh, trained professionals and the like. They did quite well, and they do feature quite high up in this list of uh, countries as ranked by the Lowy Institute. Another reason that's cited by the Lowy Institute I thought was interesting is that somewhere like India, which uh, in the ranking here with a population of 1.3 or 1.4 billion people, came in at 86th. um, But uh, the death toll in India is is not nearly as high as in the United States, for example. And and this reason that's given is that um, India has a, a, a younger um, and healthier population. And as we know with um, coronavirus, it's worse, it's more dangerous for the elderly and people with pre-existing health conditions. In that, in the, um, that second wave outbreak we had in the middle of, of uh, 2020 in Victoria, you know by far the highest people represented, very sadly, in the, in the death toll were in their 80s and 90s. Clearly, once your numbers go crazy and you get this exponential spread of the virus, and particularly with these um, these these dangerous and more more infectious uh, strains that are appearing around the world, you lose the possibility of benefiting from contact tracing. It's just out of control. It's moving too quickly. Uh, by the time you you uh, trace contacts, you know it's very hard to actually. Um, shut shut things down. It's already you know people are already infected by the time you um, have any chance of actually contacting them and advising them to isolate or to uh, stop spreading it. In the long run, it is first world countries that are doing better because they can afford to lock down for longer if necessary. They've got more uh, you know better technology. They've got more compliant populations. Another uh, thing that's that's um, cited by the Lowy Institute is. Uh, that small countries did best, especially those with populations of ten million people or less. For example, New Zealand. A key point that's that's identified, and I think this is really interesting, is that populations' trust in their governments, combined with an effective bureaucracy and uh, and good institutions, those are those are very um, important things in getting compliance from from um, you know government health directives. That compliance is what is missing in some countries. I think you'd have to say in in parts of America, there was lack of compliance and there may have even been a reluctance to even issue the health directives in the first place. But in some jurisdictions, there was a lot more trust and faith that the government was getting it right. And I think you'd have to say New Zealand, the very stable, harmonious society, Generally people avoid a sort of extreme politics on the right and the left and, and um, they tend to support, uh, even if they don't necessarily vote for a, for a government that's in power, they tend to support it because it has been duly elected and they believe in the process that elected the government. That sense of trust and, uh, and, and also solid institutions that can deliver you know, for the government, that can actually convert government policy into, um, into beneficial health responses. These are all things that were vital in managing the pandemic and and getting things under control and avoiding really bad death tolls and and a runaway virus where um, contact tracing becomes uh, very difficult. Another thing is is, uh, the number of tests performed. Countries that did lots and lots of tests from the outset and built up that capability of doing tests and and getting uh, fairly fast turnarounds of data, uh, that was also very important. So I'd urge you to take a look at this from the Lowy Institute, the COVID Performance Index, web address interactives.lowyinstitute.org, deconstructing pandemic responses, answering this question of what impact have geography, political systems, political size, and economic development had on COVID-19 outcomes around the world? This is the specific question being asked. And, you know, the answer is... is, um, is an interesting one. You know, there's other research and other factors and other judgments that that are made also uh, by different think tanks and uh, organizations around the world looking at this same question. But uh, I would urge listeners to check out this one from the Lowy Institute in Australia. So thanks for listening. Piers Cunningham signing off from Beyond Infinity. Keep an eye on our website, beyondinfinity.com.au. We will be posting more material I am back on the airwaves on Tuesdays from 11 till 2pm at the studios of Artable PFM. And there will be some podcasting done from uh, material that's recorded there as well as stuff that I do at home. I've kind of become a bit used to doing things at home, so I intend to continue doing this as well. Thanks for listening. I'll mm-hmm. mm-hmm.